This is the Mathematics Education Podcast from MathEdPodcast.com. Welcome to the Math Ed Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. I'm Sam Otten, an assistant professor in the Department of Learning, Teaching, and Curriculum at the University of Missouri. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the article, Making the Most of Going Over Homework, which is from the practitioner journal, Mathematics Teaching in the Middle School. And I co-authored the article with Michelle Cirillo and Beth Herbal-Eisenman. I don't usually focus episodes of the podcast on articles that are from practitioner journals, but it's not because there aren't lots of great ideas in the journals like Math Teaching in Middle School or Mathematics Teacher or Teaching Children Mathematics. It's just that I think those could be an entire podcast on its own. So I've chosen instead to focus the Math Ed podcast primarily on research articles and reports of empirical studies. But I'm going to claim a little host privilege here and bend my own rule to talk about our Going Over Homework article. And this article was based on research, so that helps a bit. It came out of Beth's NSF career grant, where she worked for several years with middle grades teachers thinking about classroom discourse. In this particular article, we wanted to understand what was happening in the discourse during the times when they were going over homework, or during what you might call homework review. It was both the researchers and the teachers who wanted to look at going over homework, because this activity took up about 19% of the overall class time. So our big question was, what were the discourse structures or the discourse patterns during homework review. And the teachers were very curious about what kinds of learning opportunities they were creating for their students. If they're spending nearly 20% of their class time going over homework, then they wanted to know what the kind of payoffs or learning benefits were there. To answer this question, we analyzed classroom video data from across the school year. The data were from eight different teachers' classrooms, and the grade levels ranged from sixth grade to 10th grade. We used baseline data from before Beth was working with the teachers on their discourse practices, and we had about 150 class observations total that we analyzed. Our analytic approach came from Systemic Functional Linguistics, SFL. Uh, SFL provides a lot of different tools for analyzing discourse, but one key part of SFL is that context and text are mutually constituted. In other words, discourse creates the context, but the context also sets the parameters for discourse. Jay Lemke wrote about activity structures and how when we recognize that we're in an activity structure or just when we intuitively feel that we're in an activity structure, we fall into certain patterns and expectations for what we're going to say and what we expect the others to say. Like if you come up to a cashier at the grocery store, you expect certain patterns like a greeting, a did you find everything, and a request for some form of payment. You do not expect other things, like the cashier to all of a sudden share a movie review or to sing their favorite song. Um, We might call this a checking out activity structure. And in math classrooms, there are activity structures as well, such as seat work or classroom business or going over homework. Now, they aren't rigid discourse structures. They aren't rigid. There's still room for play and variation within the structure. For example, at the cash register, the cashier may or may not ask how your day is going, or they may make a friendly comment about something you bought, that it was a really good choice. And similarly, in classroom activity structures, teachers and students can have some deviations in their discourse. But by looking at enough instances, you can see the common structures or the patterns of the discourse or the patterns of the activity structure. So that's what we did with going over homework. And there were definitely some common patterns that showed up across teachers 
even teachers being in different school districts. So in the article, Making the Most of Going Over Homework, we outlined a couple of the most prevalent aspects of going over homework, and then wrote about a couple of alternative patterns that we think will change the learning opportunities that students have. And I should say, too, that if you're interested in more of the analytic details about the research, we published an earlier article in Teachers College Record, and I'll put a link in the episode's notes to that article. But the common patterns of discourse in going over homework. So first, the strongest pattern was what we called problem-by-problem discourse. This is how we referred to the fact that the teachers and the students, without exception, tended to structure the discourse of going over homework by talking about problems one at a time. They talked about number one, then number two, and so on. Or they'd jump around and talk about number 10 and then number 27, but it was always one problem at a time. And it was always clearly marked which problem they were talking about. The teacher might write it on the board or project it up front or point at it. This is the problem we're talking about. Or more often, the teacher or a student would explicitly call out the problem number in the talk. And then the subsequent talk would specifically be about that one problem. We could also see this pattern when teachers started going over homework. They'd start it by saying, which ones do you want to go over? So which ones means which problems, and this meant which specific problems should we talk about one at a time. One thing, though, that made it clear to us that this was an underlying structure for going over homework was that it didn't seem to occur to many teachers or students to deviate from the problem-by-problem talk. They didn't seem to consider doing something else. For example, even when a teacher started going over homework by asking, what questions do you have about the homework? A prompt which could go in lots of different directions. The students would respond by calling out problem numbers. Like the students would say, number 4, 17, or 3C. So even when there was a chance to open up the discourse in new ways, people still went along with the typical problem-by-problem structure. The second pattern that we wrote about in the MTMS article had to do with how they talked about the problems when they were talking about the problems one at a time. What we found was that the talk was either on the answer or on a correct solution path that led to the answer. Most often, this was just a student calling out a problem number and then the teacher talking through a correct way to solve that problem. But it also happened in other ways. Uh, One example we gave in the paper is a teacher who had students write their answers on the board and one student wrote up an incorrect answer, the teacher took that as an opportunity to lead the class through a correct solution that avoided the mistake. So overall, we found these two patterns, problem-by-problem discourse and a focus on correct answers. And these two patterns were very typical of going over homework in general. Um, That is based on the data from eight teachers from Beth's project. But I'd also say personally that the patterns seem to go beyond those eight teachers. In my observations for other projects, or just in working at different school districts in multiple states, going over homework tends to look very similar. It seems to have these two main patterns. But we were not totally convinced that these patterns allowed for the best learning opportunities. It seemed to really limit the kinds of mathematical talk that could happen. The students didn't seem to really say very much that was mathematical at all, and it seemed the patterns seemed to lend themselves more to reteaching than to students building meaningfully on the work that they had done to complete the homework assignment. So in the article, we propose two alternative discourse patterns for going over homework. There are certainly many other alternatives, but we just chose two to write about in the article. The first alternative pattern is, instead of going problem by problem, focus the discourse across problems or on bigger mathematical ideas that cut across whole sets of problems. 
There was one teacher, Miss Casey, who we saw do this from time to time, and the article has an example from her class. She explicitly asked students to talk about the difference between a problem and the previous problems. Basically, the new problem was a reverse of the prior problems, and she wanted the students to explicitly talk about that difference. It led to some interesting mathematical talk from the students. We think that this could become a new pattern, that students work problem by problem when they're doing the homework, but then in class the next day, they know that they're going to have to compare and contrast problems or talk about some of the regularities across multiple problems. It could even go a step broader, and you could have questions about how the new homework assignment builds on previous homework assignments. The second alternative pattern is, instead of focusing on correct solutions, to talk explicitly about the student's errors or difficulties on the homework. In other words, don't just talk about how to correctly get the answer and thus avoid the error, but talk about the error itself. Um, Bill Zahner, who's been on the podcast before, he's also written about the value of using student errors as launching points for discussion. And we also thought that talking specifically about students' errors can help them see that working through struggles is part of mathematics. Math isn't just about doing the right thing perfectly all the time. Or, looking at it from another way, if you taught the correct way the day before, rather than reiterating the correct way during going over homework you could do something a bit different. You could talk about the mistakes or the difficulties themselves that the students had when they tried the homework problems. So those were the two alternative discourse patterns that we wrote about, talking across problems and focusing the talk on the students' errors. Teachers can try these out, or they can try other alternative patterns, but first it's important to recognize that you're probably operating within an implicit but very powerful discourse pattern. And the students might be a bit resistant to change at first. They don't want to alter the pattern because they know the current one so well. The payoffs for these alternative patterns, though, we think have to do with the standards for mathematical practice. In the typical patterns, we didn't see many standards for mathematical practice at all. That 19% of class time seemed to be pretty useful in reinforcing skills, but not necessarily very useful in opening up a space for reasoning, sense-making, problem-solving, or looking for regularity. The alternative patterns that we suggested seem to have a much better chance of drawing the students into some SMPs. So anyway, that's the article in a nutshell. As I speak, it's one of NCTM's free preview articles, so everyone should be able to go grab the PDF for free, um, but I'm not sure how long that's going to last. And then this is the point in the podcast where I usually ask guests about alternative careers. I already mentioned mine in episode 1407, which was that I'd be a composer. Um, But this time, I'll mention something different. I'll mention a hobby that I have that I don't think I could ever do for a living. And that is, I enjoy reading comic books, especially those from DC Comics. And I'm also very excited for the Batman v Superman movie that's going to be coming out in the spring, and for the rest of the DC movies from Warner Brothers that are going to come out afterward. Um, And I loved Man of Steel, which was kind of the first movie in the DC Extended Universe, and I enjoy talking about Man of Steel a lot. So if you have thoughts about Man of Steel or about these DC movies, either good or bad, um, definitely catch me at a conference or online. I'd love to talk about it with you. So that basically wraps it up for this episode. Please come to the homepage at mathedpodcast.com and vote in the MathEd poll. I'm going to have different questions every few weeks, so please stop by and weigh in. Also, please consider donating $5 to the podcast using the PayPal button on the homepage. 
There have been four people who have donated thus far in uh, the four years of the podcast, and I really appreciate those people. Thanks so much. Um, But the traffic is growing, so the costs are growing to maintain the podcast. So $5 from several more of you would really help out a lot. And one more plug. If you're a teacher of any grade level and you're looking for a personalized, high-quality, 100% online master's degree in math education, you should definitely check us out at online.missouri.edu, online.missouri.edu. We have a strong program that we're really proud of, and it's also a bargain price because everybody gets in-state tuition. Uh, So we come in at less than $400 per credit, while our competitors are all sitting around $500 per credit. Um, So overall, that makes us about three dollars to $4,000 cheaper than other online programs, and we actually focus on math education rather than on pure math or on general education. So anyway, check out online.missouri.edu or just contact me if you're considering a master's degree. And thanks again for listening.